Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. Got three musketeers for you this morning. Myself, being Josiah, and Isaac, and Chuck. Hello, everybody. Hi. <laughs> it was the breakfast burrito this morning. I got halfway through it. Well, it's a pretty big burrito. It is. I had chicken and waffles myself. <laughs> had some avocado toast two times in a row now. It's good stuff. Yeah. I just, the tomatoes are good, but they are also a little weird to me. I just, I don't know. It's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a deal breaking, Josiah. Today, we are continuing our series on biblical imagery, biblical themes. We're talking about trees. My name is the Lorax. Speak for the trees. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been holding that in your mind? <laughs> I just do? came. It just oh, came to my okay. mind. I love trees. I don't know if you guys know this about me. Uh, we do. You <laughs> guys do, but the people listening may not. Did I tell everybody I had chicken and waffles? Yeah. Good. I'm glad I. Don't but I think he said waffles <laughs> and chicken. Waffles and. Oh. Which came first? <laughs> the waffle or the. Ch- the chicken, I think, for sure. <laughs> I would comfortably <laughs> say that. <laughs> you don't think people are finding wild waffles out in the wilderness? There's a waffle tree? I want one. Touche. <laughs> if there's a tree that can grow processed grains <laughs> in the shape of a waffle, that'd be pretty cool. Cooked. And the same tree can provide you syrup through its sap. Yeah. So this guy goes out this time of year in the bushes and he takes elbow macaroni and he sticks it <laughs> <on>. <laughs> That would be fun to like have a kid and you say like, oh, this is the like waffle tree. And like it blooms over one night every single fall. <laughs> and then just like when they're asleep one night, you just go hang a bunch of waffles from the tree <laughs> and they like wake up and like, wow. <laughs> And they grow up wondering, why do I have a hard time trusting people? No, I was kidding. How come this has got squirrel teeth marks in it? <laughs> Our waffle harvest was ravaged by the squirrels. <laughs> Does the tree also produce its own tape to stick the waffles to the branches? <laughs> yep. Yeah. You can see where they have to get tricky. Anyway. We're continuing our series on, on biblical imagery. We're talking about trees, and I really love trees. I have bonsai trees, which are tiny trees you keep in pots. I have like 40 of those. They're very fun. You, uh, it's like having a pet that you don't have to really take care of. And it probably will outlive you. <laughs> they are pretty cool. I do enjoy uh, looking at the bonsai trees that you have. Yeah. But there's no mention of bonsai trees in scripture. However, there are mention of trees everywhere in scripture. Yeah, there's no way in this one I'm so we can cover all different examples of trees and its significance. There's a lot of trees. Yeah. Why don't we start with the first tree? It's a good idea. Well, trees. Yeah. In Genesis, uh, God creates trees. Um, in Genesis 2, he makes a garden in the east between these four rivers. 
and he calls it the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. which you guys probably heard of. And then he specifies two different kinds of trees, like mentioned first off. Well, there's like the general like fruit trees, mm -hmm. and but then there's like two trees mentioned specifically, which are in verse nine. Go ahead and read that. Yeah. It says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says, The tree of knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a big no no. Like you yes. got you got one rule. Don't don't eat that tree. Don't fruit. touch it. Don't even touch it. Don't even lick it. <laughs> don't even smell it. <laughs> yeah. So we, we get these two really significant trees that are in the midst of other significant trees that were good for bringing food uh, to Adam and Eve. Um, man, I think we can spend the whole episode just talking about these two. You know, but I think it's very interesting and very awesome concept that both of the trees are by each other. In the same garden. In the same garden. You know, it, it's almost like if you want to have the tree of life, you also have to choose wisely the knowledge of good and evil tree. You know? Yep. And this was these trees set up the first act of obedience hmm. that we have the choice to make with God. The tree of life is what sustains us, and that is what we get when we are obedient to God. Mm -hmm. And the tree of knowledge and good and evil is the opportunity for us to try to make our own way. Exactly. I've thought about that, the knowledge of good and evil. And before that fall, did they know evil? I think not. No. Right. Evil, in my mind, and for this illustration, evil is the absence of God. Yep. The disobedience of God, the missing of what God intended. Yeah. It, evil is the negative side of good. You don't, you can't make evil like you can make good. Evil isn't equal to good. We overcome evil with good, Paul says in Romans 12, but it's like hot and cold. You can't make cold. You remove the heat. Mm -hmm. yeah. Take away the heat and what do you got left? Cold. You got good, you take away the good, what do you got left? Evil. In a way, it's interesting to think that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they were doing is abandoning God and that choice, which is when, when yeah. evil comes into play, you know? And it, it's not at that point when they died, although it was at that point when they separated themselves from God and that leads to death. They gave themselves a death sentence. Yeah. And we talked about that. Maybe, maybe we not. 
maybe before it was re-recording at some point, but we've said it's like someone who's on death row, you know, they are going to die. It's just a matter of when at this point. Yeah. And it's also extremely interesting that there seems to be some kind of life-sustaining source coming from this tree for humans, the tree of life. Yeah. Because the whole reason God set the cherubim outside the Garden of Eden when they got kicked out was to guard them from the tree of life. Yeah. Was to stop them from being able to continue to eat this fruit that, I guess, made them immortal. (laughs) At least it would perpetuate their life. You know, like, God says, oh, now that they've eaten the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we should make sure they don't eat the tree of life, lest they live forever. And I think a lot of people understand that as meaning that God is like, oh, I don't want them to keep living forever. I think really God's trying to give a mercy of, I don't want them to experience never-ending life that's corrupted. That was almost like a form of mercy. You know? yeah. Well, then it's also a, an unending amount of havoc, havoc and chaos, and chaos and death and that you can reap, pain. You know, yeah. Um, so he keeps them from that. Which that so something that you were saying earlier, uh, Chuck, as well as this thought right now. Scripture, like right from the get-go, is fundamentally explaining a very different view on good and evil and the mortality of humanity than a lot of other belief systems. A lot of other belief systems, like Taoism, for example, is like these equal components of good and evil, and you have to find the balance in the middle. In fact, that uh, yin-yang symbol is like the really actually good uh, symbolism of what they believe. We don't have to go into that, but yeah. Whoa, thank you for the picture. (laughs) Yeah, but evil is not an equal component to good. In fact, evil can only be judged based off of good. Good is like the standard, and evil is like the amount of it you have or not have, you know? Right. Um, as well as this here is that humans are not immortal. Like, we were never, even from the beginning with Adam and Eve, given this inherent immortality. Right. Um, God needs to perpetuate that life. Um, However, if we skip to the back, yeah, the tree of life reappears in the kingdom on yeah. both sides of the river. Yeah, in Revelation twenty. Yeah, and it says yeah. that its leaves are for the healing of the nation. I'll just yeah. read that whole verse, if you don't mind, real quick for us. Revelation twenty-two two says, "In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life." bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Mm-hmm. So that's just a really, like, awesome thing to think about. You know, Revelation is like the perfect capstone to all of Scripture. The very beginning of humanity's stories, how we had presence with God and presence with the tree of life and we got exiled from it kicked out from our mistakes and the very end is when God brings his fully matured completed people back into the garden with him so to speak back to the tree of life so it's like no wonder in Revelation do we see images about the tree of life re-emerging 
mm -hmm. and I was having connection with it. It's that coming full circle. Paradise restored. Yeah, and revamped, even better. It also shows the uh, importance of trees. Yeah. In this, I in this whole idea is that they are the source of things. Yeah. You know, that God chose a tree to be the source of life and the source of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, and if you look at even today, trees are an essential part of our lives. Yeah. They create wood for us to burn and build furnitures and houses out of. Fruits. Fruit and oxygen. Oxygen. Mm -hmm. Of course, they probably didn't have a functioning uh, photosynthesis theory back then. <laughs> but, you know, it does it does say that where it, it does kind of bring to the point that trees are kind of this magical sacred thing like where does a tree come from i don't know where does it get all of its wood who knows it just gets bigger <laughs> it gets you know? put into this ground and it just does its thing and then all of a sudden boom delicious sugary fruit pop out of it you know like yeah what is going on here well you think about like and so that's even true for modern day but think back to ancient middle east Especially if you look at all the other cultures around, there is this kind of common conception of trees being these sacred, life-giving things. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're in a bunch of desert and you find a tree, it's like, this thing is awesome. <laughs> you the know? shade that it provides. The shade, yeah. the fruit. It's probably by sources of water. Mm -hmm. It's like this very full-of-life thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's no wonder that it becomes common image of the sacred, life-giving thing. Um, actually, a lot of other cultures depict the gods as trees. What makes uh, the Jewish thought different in the scriptures is that God is the creator of them. Right. He's like over them. Yeah. Um, they also have this kind of eternity to them, it seems. You know, like mm. one big tree can live for generations of people. Yeah. You know, like the oak of um, uh, Mamre. You know, like... Yeah. It's such a big monumental tree that it's a landmark in this nation. You yeah. Know, like, it's by the Oka Mamre. You yeah. Know, like, that is the tree that you should be looking for when you're making this journey. Yeah. You know? and all that is packed into the assumption of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. By the way, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this, but I personally think that... The problem wasn't that Adam and Eve acquired wisdom, because the knowledge of good and evil is essentially having wisdom, right? Knowing what is good and what's wrong, what's, what's good and bad, what's good and evil. And it makes sense that it was desirable. I think the problem wasn't that they had it, the problem was that they tried to take it for themselves in their own terms. Yeah. You know? That is the problem. Yeah. And who's to say that God wouldn't have enlightened them at some point? We don't right. have that indication, but it's also not outside the realm of possibility. Well, I think as you read it in light of other biblical narratives, I think it actually does suggest that. Like, I merely think of Solomon when, you know, he's first starting out and God's like, hey, ask whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asks for wisdom. God says, I'll give it to you. You know, like those kind of examples where it's like, that's the better example of what to do with the quote-unquote tree of knowledge of good and evil is to ask God to give it to you rather than you to take it. In you know, the proper dosage. Yeah, in the proper dosage. You know, God 
it's like the good and e good and evil anesthesiologist, so to speak. <laughs> I can give you the right dosage that you need at the right time. A couple other things that come to mind when I think of trees in scripture is uh, after the flood, mm. um, it's an olive branch that is brought back. Yeah. You know, where there is a tree, there, like we've said, there is life, and that's a marker of things are okay there. Yeah. You know, if trees are dying, things are bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Genesis thirteen eighteen, Abraham builds an altar by some trees. Like, you'll, if you read through or, like, go to a concordance or something and look at where trees appear, it always is associated with, like, some kind of sacred river or they build an altar by it or it's on a high place. Like, there's always this idea of trees appearing in... Um, significant ways. Yeah, significant ways. I think a really awesome example, including in the Genesis story, is this idea that people, in a sense, are like trees, like a more fulfilled tree. Um, Psalm 1-3, I just want to read that for a second, is a really cool example. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. Yeah. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Yeah. And that he, by the way... Uh, in the first two verses is the one that doesn't take counsel of the wicked or be amongst the sinners but meditates on the law of God right um, they are like a tree uh, even Proverbs actually has some really cool significant things here so Proverbs 3.18 just plainly says in one of its statements here uh, talking about wisdom, lady wisdom, the example. Not an actual person, but personifying yeah. wisdom. Saying that she is a tree of life to those who lay hold to her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Yeah, tree of life is actually mentioned, I think, three or four times in Proverbs. Yeah. I think it's mentioned in a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Mm. A uh, The fruit of righteousness is a tree yeah. of life. Yeah. And... Um, Desire fulfilled is a tree of life, mm. um, but hope deferred is a, a heart, a sick heart. Yeah. So there's a tree of life mentioned a few times in Proverbs. Yeah. When it connects it to doing what is proper and wise, which is a really fascinating concept to me because Proverbs is all about wisdom, right, lady? Wisdom is a tree of life. It's almost like a merging of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil that in God's context are both good things. Mm -hmm. At least in my mind. Yeah. We also have the uh, analogy that God, like Israel, is a tree. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, Jesse um, being the foundation of the Davidic line. And the root of Jesse, you know, like which is interesting that Jesus is after Jesse, but is also the foundation of this promise. Mm. The root of Jesse is the Messiah. Then we also have this analogy that Israel is this olive tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we can be grafted into this foundational trunk as Christians. Yeah. You ever seen an olive tree? I don't think I have. I've, well, I have seen a couple uh, pictures of ones that were like in orchards, like olive orchards. They're not a real pretty tree. Yeah, mm. they're kind of craggly. Yeah, you trim them off, and they don't stay that way. 
you know, get a knob and send out shoots. We had one in the church courtyard in Pomona. Nobody liked it. <laughs> the olives would get ripe and fall off onto the concrete. People would step on them and carry it into the... Make olive oil? Yeah. Olive, Anoint the church's carpet. <laughs> olive stains. Mm. And it was a booger to get rid of. I but bet. we did. That's kind of cool, though. An olive tree. It was like... Was I intentionally chosen to be an olive tree by the church? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so had a uh, kumquat tree. Didn't you have some kind of citrus lemon. fruit? Lemon tree? Oh, okay. No, oh, that makes sense in California. Yeah. Big lemons. Mango lemons? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, these, sores, these trees are, like, all over the place being shown as, like, a source of life or the sacred thing. A that, foundational thing. A foundational thing. Not that it replaces God, but that's like a means by which God brings blessing in life as a symbol of that. Um, and these all, I think, tie themselves back to the fundamental trees of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, which I don't know if you guys knew this, but I know there's some like scholarly debate about if they're the same tree or not. Like, are there two trees or are there is there only one tree? I know there is some talk about that, but I'm not. I think the Bible says there's two trees. Mm -hmm. That's what I would think. But yeah, I think so too. But I know there is some talk about it. Yeah, a lot of prophecy. Isaiah 61, one through three, brings up trees as well. Jesus quotes from this when he's in Nazareth declaring that he's the one that's like the promised Messiah. And they're all like, what? The Spirit of the Lord is, of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and, to, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and on that day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So, you know, he's coming to help all those who are pressed and crushed and afflicted and it says to grant those who mourn in zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord that he may be glorified you know they become like trees these sources of life long lasting being planted i think goes back to garden of eden again you know, he planted trees, and we can be like those trees planted in the garden. Um, and oak, oaks were seen as these immovable objects. Understandably. <laughs> yeah, they get very <laughs> massive, and their the root systems are extensive. They're and strong. It takes a lot of effort to knock over an oak tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort to clean up after them, too. Yeah, that's true. Interestingly, an oak's roots can spread to cover seven times the width of the crown of the tree. So if the width of the crown of the tree, like the oak trees at um, church, our oak trees are like 50 or 60 feet across. That means the roots could cover like a football field. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So very widespread. That's cool. Well, how deep do they go? They said they're not the super deepest roots in the world. They say it just like that? The like super a few, deepest. the super deepest, yeah. <laughs> a few feet. You know, they can go a little deeper in that, obviously, but... Let's dig one up and find out. On average, they're 18 oh, thank inches, you. they say. <laughs> of course, we've all heard the expression before, going back with New Testament, you know, like in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, where... Jesus is like, hey, beware of false prophets. You can tell them by their fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. Um, Fruit can be seen as like the completeness or the final result of the health of something. You know? Or like what it's producing. So, you know, someone who has a sinful heart is going to have bad temptations or a lot of frequent temptations a lot of bad thoughts they dwell on it's going to eventually lead them to actions and those actions are going to bring about bad consequences those actions of bad consequences are the fruit of the unhealthy person you know and vice versa Um, interesting tree fact (laughs) the shepherd's tree which is native to the Kalahari Desert, has been found to have the deepest root systems in the world, up to 230 feet deep. Holy cow. There are some people digging a well, and they hit tree roots at the bottom of the well at 230 feet. That would be surprising. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Wow. Imagine a 20-story building, and then flip that upside down and put it on the ground, and that's how deep that tree's roots go. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Well, when you're thirsty. (laughs) That's true. You said that's in the desert? Kalahari Desert. Ah, That makes sense. Can you imagine, like, how is this tree alive? Because it has deep roots. Yeah. Some cool symbolism there. One of the first verses that came to my mind, speaking of trees, is what Peter mentioned when he said, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is also interesting that a tree is the implement that killed our Savior. Yeah. Up on a man-made hill. I don't know if you guys know that, but Golgotha was kind of a a man-made hill at the time. So it's almost like the symbolism of mankind's version of the sacred tree and mankind's version of the high place. Jesus is going and suffering and enduring that and dying on it for Mm. a sense. Some neat symbolism there. Mm Mm-hmm. But I've always remembered growing up thinking, why does Peter call it a tree? It seems like a kind of a liberal use of the word, like it's wood. But in the Hebrew language and mindset with all the symbolism actually makes sense. And it's, this, it's, it's the same word. Yeah. Wooden tree. Yeah. You know, like that's, I think the Hebrew word's eights, I'm pretty sure. And it's like the same word that you'd use for a branch or a twig. Yeah. You know, like, it's, or a bush. it's, just, it's just the one thing. You know? Yeah. You can call like the redwood tree an eights, and you also call a little bush eights. You can call right. the wood that comes from an eights. Did you see the redwoods? I've never, I want to. Yeah, I've been there. They're big, they're huggable. Yeah, I remember I went to the San Francisco Muirwoods Forest. I remember driving down. What? Is that where you see the sequoias? Is that what they're yeah. called? Yeah. So I remember driving down there, and they have a lot of pine trees 
it's like at the base of this like valley where you get to Mirror Woods Forest. So as you're driving down from the coast, it's just big pine trees. And I'm like, are these the sequoias? I'm like, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, they're big pine trees. And I was like, this is not what I thought they would be. And a couple of friends I was with, they're like, no, you should just wait because I don't think these are it. And then we, like, you park in the parking lot, you're, like, still, like, okay, like, this is the Mirrorwoods Forest. These are just normal pine trees. Then you kind of, like, walk through this opening, you're, like, oh, my gosh. That's a sequoia. <laughs> and you're, like, holy cow, that's a big tree. Wouldn't you get Project Forerunner? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I would love to see those trees. Another interesting thing about those sequoia trees is the pine cone. Mm. It's a little bitty thing. Mm. Yeah. I saw a pine tree in Southern California. It had a pine cone the size of a football. Wow. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to go get that. But it was still in the tree. Yeah. And it was by the edge of a cliff. And I thought, no, I think it should stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with it there. Yeah, it looks like a good place for it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard those sequoia and redwood trees are like can be like 2,000 years old and yeah. stuff. Like around the time of Jesus. Yeah. They also get most of their water from the fog that rolls in off the ocean. They're yeah. so tall that capillary action can't actually carry water to the top of the trees. They, If they were just left to use root power to get water, it wouldn't work. They would need to make their own water towers. Yeah, they are their own water towers. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. I heard that a one tree can use 500 gallons of water a day. One sequoia. That's, a, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so there's this, uh, so you can find so many examples in scripture mm-hmm. of these trees. People being called trees, people doing godly things by trees, people trying to use trees for their own way and own reason and own form of worship, like Asherah poles. We can yeah. talk about that right now, what they are. But that was a human People form. carving trees, you know, like, yeah. uh, is it Isaiah that says, out of one, you cut a log, and out of one part of the log, you heat your house and burn it to cook your food and now the other part of the log you create an idol to worship yeah which I think ties back to we we take from the knowledge of treating good and evil and what we think is good in our eyes you know I think that symbolism is we use these sacred trees of God to do our own dumb things with you know yep well if you guys have random tree facts we would love to hear your random tree facts and what you think about biblical trees. You can email us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com mm-hmm. with your tree facts. Sounds like a website or something. That's treefacts.com. Sounds like what it is is like an old new spin. There's a new spin on like snail mail. Here, try out tree facts. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can write letters on actual trees and mail them. (laughs) That's to be informative. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. And uh, do you guys have any other... Are we done? Are you done? Do you have other thoughts to share? One more. Yeah. Mustard seed. Mm -hmm. 
compared to uh, the kingdom. Yeah. Right. That's a good one. If you guys haven't seen a mustard seed, it's very tiny. You can hold a hundred of them in the palm of your hand. You get under your dentures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a perfect example. You know, God's kingdom always starts with a small remnant. And, you know, the movement of Jesus was no exception. But yet it grew to something massive and full of life. Yep. A place for people to come and find protection. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to share? Not yet. Anything else you wanted to share? Um, I don't think so. I think I think that's a good amount of coverage for now. We can definitely go further into it. But. Yeah, we'll dive into the canopy more later, maybe. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye. Adios. I like how Isaac raised his hand to wave goodbye on an audio recording. <laughs> they all hear it in my voice. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. <laughs>